It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Out to the zone phone we go. As you heard, the big man, the big voice man right there, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. He's uh, our friend Howard Beck. Uh, Howard, a new gig at SI. Congratulations, my friend. Excited for you. Good afternoon, fellas, and thank you. And, yeah, it's kind of cool hearing the – I don't know who does the voice there. He's got a phenomenal voice. But hearing him uh, actually introduce me with the new title and and the Sports Illustrated uh, behind it, like that, that was was cool. I like it. I I might might need that for my voicemail or something. (laughs) That's a great idea. Can you imagine that? That would sound terrific. Justin can pass it along. We can get that. We can make that happen. We know a guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Howard, thanks for jumping on with us. And uh, we're excited about this NBA season and eager to get your thoughts. Uh, Let's start off uh, with the Utah Jazz and kind of talk to us what you think about the the start they're off to and the offseason they had. I mean, you know, there was – it was obviously a short offseason for everybody. And – there was a lot of movement in this league. The Jazz were not part of, of a, a lot of the bigger moves, but, I mean, the most important one is just getting Bogdanovich back healthy and being whole again and starting a season with, you know, you know just this, that whole group of, of, you know, get Conley, you know, it's a year two. Is he, is he a little bit um, more comfortable? And Mitchell taking another step forward. I mean, I, like, for them, it's not about – you know, the off season, it's just about getting, you know, back to, to what they hoped they would be and were in flashes last season. But I think the difficulty is that, you know, this league is, is ever changing and keeping up in the West is tough. So the Lakers win a championship and get better. Uh, the Clippers flame out, but probably got a little bit better in swapping out Harold for Ibaka. The Nuggets have stumbled out of the gates, but I still think the Nuggets are, are one of those teams that's right up there and, you know, I, I think that the, just the mere emergence of Michael Porter Jr. makes them that much tougher than they were even last season. And then, you know, Dallas is on the rise, and Portland had a really strong offseason, and Phoenix is now in the mix. So, I, it's to me, like the we know who the, the Jazz are. We know what their identity is about. We know what they're trying to accomplish. We know who their personnel are. I think it's for them more about can you – ring the most out of this group it's possible and get some growth around the edges because the the landscape in the western conference is just brutal and, and, and unforgiving and you're you, you know it, it's almost like you're just trying to keep up right now funny thing about the jazz howard is that you know a couple of years ago they were all about the defense and all that this year they're trying to hurry this thing up and and do do you think that a strong defensive team if that can be recaptured cuz last year they slipped a little bit but can a strong defensive team also be a high pace team yeah i mean i listen there was a time when the conventional wisdom in the nba and this even haunted Mike D'Antoni's Phoenix Suns when people were still very resistant to the idea that you could be up tempo and play decent defense, that you could be a high-scoring team and play decent defense, that you could shoot a lot of threes and be a good defensive team. There were all these notions that I think 
in by you know by today in 2020 nearly 2021 with the help of analytics and tracking and everything else we now have a better understanding of the game that for one the suns weren't as bad defensively as they were perceived to be at the time because no one was accounting for pace back then and if you actually you know went per 100 possessions they were middle of the pack defensively they weren't they were not good but they weren't terrible um you can be up tempo the miami heat when they were pacing space that was you know the the pace was was uh, certainly they were trying to be an up tempo team uh the space was the three point shooting the warriors you know won championships playing a certain style that obviously had a fair amount of pace to it and i think if you start with a defensive foundation like the jazz have and you are as stout as, as they are in the in uh, in, in the half court you the the trick is can you push the tempo for your sake on you know when you've got the ball but slow it down when they've got the ball um can you meld those things and plus you know look there's transition defense can you can you simply uh you know you know beat your guys you know beat beat the other team back um so that you can you can set up and, and not let them be uh taking advantage of transition opportunities so you you can find a balance there, I, and and I think that they have the advantage in that they were already a really strong defensive team. Going back to the Jazz offseason for just a second, Howard, uh, were you as surprised as we were uh, that the Jazz changed ownership this offseason? Because i got to tell you, and Gordon, I don't want to speak for you, but I think you uh, had the same experience. It came out of nowhere for us. Did not see it coming. Um, did not even hear whispers about that around the league. And... Um, you know, I, 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 it's not something I covered. I was uh, between uh, gigs at that moment. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't have a lot of insight. You guys, I'm sure, know more about it than I do at this point. But um, I, I think that caught uh, a lot of people around the league by surprise. Howard, uh, I, I suppose that in your preseason predictions, you had uh, the Magic being in first place in the East, right? I mean, that was just uh, <laughs> understood, right? It's a lot of fun when we do this every year, right? I don't mean we, like the three of us, but all of us, the media, the fans, we get a week into the season and some team that we didn't expect is 3-0 and some team that's supposed to be good is 0-3 and, and we all say, where the heck did this come from? Like, well, we were so shocked. Like, you know, um, I, would, I would just say that uh, in the course of any NBA season, uh, a bad team will have a three-game winning streak and a, and a good team will have a three-game losing streak. And in, if it happens in February – we don't think anything of it, <laughs> but when it's starting starting the season, somehow the three and zero or the zero and three looks somehow more striking. Um, the Orlando Magic are fine; they're not they're not going to be a good team. <laughs> they're 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 going to they're they're going to be scrapping for eighth or ninth or tenth in the East. When you talk about that and getting off to a rough start, does that same logic apply to a team like the Rockets who are winless to this point, only two games? But is this going to be a problem? Is this an indication of uh, of a bigger problem with with the whole James Harden thing or what? Well, look, they, they had a game postponed because of COVID protocols and not having enough avail- available bodies. Then when they finally play – you know, it's it's hard in rejoining the group, and after he was late coming to camp, and he's not in, in tip-top condition, and there's the chemistry is going to be a little weird because of all of, of the uncertainty about his future and his trade demand. So yeah, I mean, you expect them to be in kind of a weird place. Um, on the other hand, you know, Dave offensively at least looked pretty strong, and Harden certainly doesn't seem to be affected at all by any of this and by by the numbers he's putting up. 
I think they're fine. I mean, listen, if Harden can just be patient and set this thing aside for the moment, because the Rockets have to be patient. They have to make the best possible deal. They can't just rush into something just for the sake of resolving this. If everybody can just cool their heels and be professionals, the Rockets have a lot of talent. And right now they're on two with no Eric Gordon and no John Wall and no DeMarcus Cousins and – all the other stuff we just talked about. So they'll get they'll get all their bodies back soon, and we'll see what they are. But the Rockets have the chance to still be a pretty strong team because of James Harden. And, look, John Wall is post-Achilles surgery, and so is DeMarcus Cousins. And I'm not expecting those guys to return to all-star status. But there's enough talent on that team around James Harden that the Rockets can still be very competitive and still be a playoff team if they don't end up trading him. And if they do end up trading him, it'll just you know depend on what they get back, obviously. But... Uh, you know, I, I, they're not a team that I'm, I'm thinking that much about, except to the extent of when are they going to finally make the trade or is, is the right offer going to come along? In the meantime, as I say, I think they can be really good because James Harden's still a top five player in this league. I think if we're going to point to a team that, you know, the, the small sample size aside, that I actually think, oh, I wonder if, if they're, you know, if this is a sign of something, the Clippers – being down by 50 at halftime to Dallas on Sunday and then losing the game by 51, that's hard for me to wipe away as an aberration because the Clippers already had a bunch of frailties that were exposed in the bubble. I mean, they get knocked out in the second round. They're a team that was supposed to go to the finals, a team that a lot of us thought could compete for a championship. And they were undermined by poor chemistry and not enough playmaking and poor leadership. And when all that is already an, a, a part of your the, the, the bigger picture around you, and you lose by 50, well, I, I, it, like, that doesn't feel like an aberration. That feels like maybe a warning sign that some of these things have not completely been resolved. And no, Kawhi Leonard didn't play, but, you know, it's not like Dallas was stacked with talent. They have Luka, but Porzingis isn't playing. And the rest of that team is, is you, know, you know, pretty much just your, your, your average assortment of players. So it, it's not like they got their butts kicked by some super team. So, I, you know, I'm not going to overreact to anybody's losses right now or anybody's record right now, but I do think that that, that was a, a, a not great sign for the Clippers. In the West, Howard, how far uh, do you think the, the distance is between the Lakers and the next best team? Considerable but not insurmountable. Um, they, you know, they, they won a championship – and they had their flaws, and they've patched some of those flaws. I didn't think they were deep enough. I didn't think they had enough playmaking, and they they really did a, a phenomenal job of filling in holes. You know, Schroeder gives them another ball handler and playmaker and scorer, and you know relieves a little bit of of, uh, of the burden on LeBron. Um, the combination of Montrez Harrell and Marcus Saul, assuming Marcus Saul, you know, like he's up there in years. So you know, there's there's some quali- you know, some some uh, you know, quantify or qualifiers there. But I think that Marcus Saul is a definite upgrade over JaVale McGee or, or Dwight Howard. You know, those guys are more active bodies, but Marcus Saul can do so much more with the ball in his hands as a as a playmaker out of the post. And Montrezl Harrell, as we know, six man of the year and, you know, a, a live body who can, who can score a lot, you know, defensive liability. But the two of those guys plus Anthony Davis who's going to play a lot of center anyway, you got a really nice rotation up front now. So um, nobody else made any real strong moves. Like the Blazers are better than they were, but it's not like they made up ground between themselves and the Lakers. The Clippers did not make up ground. 
the Nuggets, I don't think, made up ground. Like, there's no like no no team in the West got uh, significantly better aside from the Lakers. You know, I mean, the Suns got significantly better, but that's to go from lottery team to playoff team. I don't think anybody who was chasing the Lakers has closed ground on them. Howard, I'd like to circle back around on the Jazz. and something that you mentioned earlier. A key specific of that, whether the Jazz can do uh, fulfill their potential, if you want to say it that way, is Donovan Mitchell. Is he good enough to be a superstar player, or do you think he'll always just sort of hang around that all-star level? I guess it depends, Gordon, on where you're drawing the line between star and superstar. Um, we some of these terms we throw around so loosely. I mean, there's you know there's there's the guys who are perennial all stars, and then there are guys who are perennial MVP candidates, and then there's probably a group that's somewhere in between where they're higher level all stars, where sometimes they're flirting with the MVP discussion. Like, you know, where's Damian Lillard right now? Yeah. Um, He's gotten some MVP votes now and then. He's never really been in the running for MVP. He's been on MVP ballots, but has he ever really has he ever been the favorite or, or, or top? He's never finished top three, I don't think. Um, Paul George has, has has been in that that discussion, right? Perennial MVP, and has had moments where he entered the discussion and, and, and I think finished uh, within the top five what two years ago. So. There are guys who flirt with that. Donovan Mitchell's still early enough in his career that I, I think I don't think we know what the ceiling is yet, and I, I think the potential is there. I think that he sure he's a guy who if you have the right group around him and he keeps making strides, and he he he, oh, he seems to have all the right things going for him in terms of, the, of his his work ethic and his character, all the all all the intangibles that you want to see because it's the intangibles that separate the stars from the superstars anyway. It's not talent. Like, it definitely is not talent. Uh, people think, it, like, talent is what separates Anthony Davis and LeBron and Kawhi Leonard from, like, the group beneath them or the group after that. And, no, like, there's a certain amount of it. But, like, everybody in the league has a certain amount of physical gifts. The, like, the guys who are the elite of the elite, it's because of the way they go about the game and their their work habits and their off season and everything else. And that's what I think Donovan Mitchell has going for him, is that I do think those elements are there. It doesn't mean he'll get there, but – the potential's there, and, and then it's a, a matter of how you build around him because ultimately in this league, the MVP discussion becomes, I think fairly, how much did your team win also? So um, I've, I've veered a little bit from your star to superstar discussion into the MVP uh, uh, framework, but it's you, you get the point. It's, it's, it all kind of merges together. I kind of like that because – uh, if we were going to define it a little sh- more sharply, I, I just I, – I, how many superstars are there in the league? Uh, I mean, Not that who, many, yeah. yeah. Are we talking about five, six, maybe seven? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. I, I think in any given year, it's, it's, it's somewhere like five to eight. And then there's a bunch of other guys who are stars or all-stars and some guys who, like, in any given year might be an all-star. And so you can go, you know, 20, 30, and then after that it falls off into, into you know, a, a vast array of, of role players of various shapes and sizes. But the, the true, like, superstars, it's less than 10 in any given season. And some guys are superstars maybe even because of the way they play as much as whether or not they're winning, right? Like, Russell Westbrook, for most of his career, has been a superstar based a, a lot on the pyrotechnics of his game um, as much as, as the effectiveness of his game. And it's been effective at times, too, and he has won an MVP. Um, at this stage of his career, at 32, wherever he is, like, is he, is he still a superstar? I mean, he'll have superstar numbers. 
the Wizards, another team that if we want to say hit the panic button early, um, I think they're 0 and 3, 0 and 3, 0 and 4. Like they're they're you know they're they're dragging a bit. Um, but yeah, it's it's not a big group. Uh, Howard, uh, uh, real quick before we let you go, we talked to Mannix the other day uh, as he came on the show, and uh, he talked about how excited he was to do, uh, do a podcast with you now and would uh, encourage our listeners to go and, and check it out. But if you ever want to compare notes on how to deal with a diva co-host, uh, uh, my, my phone line's <laughs> open, buddy. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. It's, uh, you know, uh, Mannix and I, we're working through it. You know, I may need some <laughs> advice at some point. Um, so far, we're we're doing okay, you know. But it's it's all over Zoom right now, so we can't we can't actually hurt each other. So that's that's a plus. What's going on, guys? <laughs> he, you know, when we asked him about you, Howard, he he uh, he insulted you before he complimented you, which is what of a lot of guys do, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I fully expect that. <laughs> Howard, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thanks, fellas. Talk to you next week. See you, buddy. That's our friend Howard Beck, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. And, yes, check out their their podcast. They actually have a couple episodes up already, the crossover NBA show with Chris Mannix and Howard Beck, uh, two of our daily assist guests and two of our very favorite people. And uh, it, it's it's great stuff. So I would encourage everybody to go on there and check it out. Yeah, it's he is really smart and very insightful and uh, – has a breadth of knowledge about a lot of things. And Mannix is very high maintenance and, and yeah. has a big ego. <laughs> and so, yeah, Thanks I, for... I, I know what position Howard's in. I, yeah. I can sympathize. Mm-hmm. I really can. I appreciate that, Jay. It's, Thank it's you. rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you got a kick out of that one. It's it's rough. No, it, it's cool. I I was stoked when I saw that uh, that Howard ended up at, at Sports Illustrated because it it does show that that SI is really making an investment on up in their NBA coverage because Chris you, you know uh, already is great, but to throw Howard into their mix that was a, a smart move on their part in my opinion. No doubt. Yeah. All right. More next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone.